0: Everybody, it's Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another Eye Clarity podcast. And I have a very special show today. I am going to be sharing an interview I did with the Rolfing Institute, and uh, this is a a type of bodywork structural reintegration. It was invented by a visionary, Dr. Ida Rolf, and uh, because of my experience uh, as a body worker craniosacral therapist and also an optometrist Uh, this is a great fit and it was a really lively interview so uh, stay tuned it's uh, it's going to be fantastic
1: this is Kayle Rosewood and I'm here today interviewing Sam Byrne Sam Byrne has been a colleague of mine. We met at various Emily Conrad continuum workshops and retreats over the years. And over the, um, also over the years, I came to be intrigued with his particular specialty as an eye doctor. And um, I took a workshop with him. Uh, Some years ago and definitely had a very interesting journey into a very uh, interesting experiment that he made explicit with his various tools and preparations that showed me that how I see the world is, as Rolfer's know, a perceptual habit. And I have options and maybe options that I never saw before until this workshop with Sam. So, uh, I'm very curious to be able to go into depth of listening to Sam and what he has to say today. And I am going to first start and say, Sam, would you like to introduce yourself in any way before I ask the first question?
0: Yes, hi, Gail. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm really excited to be here. So, I... Uh, I am a optometrist, but also much more than that. i um, I been in practice, oh geez, over 35 years and I've studied many different disciplines, uh, and consider myself a holistic practitioner. And, uh, it's, it's been an exciting journey. I've met amazing people along the way, and I'm happy to share what I know, uh, to your community and, uh, really looking forward to it.
1: Thank you. So can you let us know how it came to be that you were drawn into this particular line of inquiry, your (laughs) optometrist
0: studies? Okay. Well, it actually started when I was a child. I was about eight years old and I was, uh, Diagnosed with a learning problem and my mom took me everywhere very frustrating couldn't read and Ended up at an eye doctor's office and I got a pair of nearsighted glasses and it didn't address my learning problem But I became a memorizer. That's how I got through school and my eyes kept getting progressively worse and worse and after I graduated optometry school, I met a holistic eye doctor And went through his physical eye therapy program and he said two things to me said number one the reason why you have a learning problem is that you have a left eye that drifts out and you're not using your two eyes together And the second thing he said is that you can definitely reverse your prescription so I went through his six-month program and I did both of those things I dissolved my prescription 100% and I learned to use my two eyes together I stopped seeing double And I became a voracious reader, but it inspired me to uh, move into a track of helping people improve their vision instead of just looking for disease and using pharmaceutical drugs and surgery. That's the way, you know, most eye doctors are trained. So that started me on a career uh, of very, a very dynamic um, process. Although being a pioneer, I, I've been out way ahead of the curve and uh, luckily I've met other visionaries along the path and um, you know, here I am today. Some things that I studied along the way were things like light and color therapy on the eyes that you can actually heal certain eye problems using uh, light and color. I developed programs in hospitals working with traumatic brain injury. Uh, So people that have had some kind of a whiplash or head injury They have tremendous vision problems, and they either go undiagnosed or it's hard for eye doctors to even treat them. So I've developed ways to help people heal their trauma. And then uh, I was working with kids who were diagnosed along the autism to ADD spectrum. And I was working with an occupational therapist at the time and uh, ended up going back to massage school and, and became a craniosacral therapist. And that opened up a whole world in in somatic awareness. And then, uh, gosh, it must be 10 years, 11 years ago, I met uh, Emily Conrad, uh, and I was actually teaching a workshop at her studio on vision improvement. And afterwards, uh, we connected, and so I became a continuum teacher uh, studying under Emily. So I have a lot of uh, tools in my toolbox to help people improve their eyes and vision. And I think I would say this, that the eyes, uh, when we have an eye problem, there is a systemic, metabolic, energetic, structural, postural reason why we have an eye problem. And so instead of treating symptoms, which is like what most eye doctors do, I tend to try to find the cause, treat that, and then the eye problem tends to go away and it also has an impact on a person's brain health and overall wellness so that's that's in a nutshell of where i started and where i am today
1: the will delete this from the transcription but i need to hear that list again that was an impressive list systemic energetic
0: metabolic so uh metabolic so when we have an eye problem there is usually a thread of a systemic metabolic or energetic imbalance in the body that's reflected in the eyes. And we could go through any eye condition. And I could tell you, you know, it'd be one of those. And just like uh, you read the body, and you, you get a scroll of history by reading the body, I can find the scroll of history by reading the person's eyes. So I can tell a person's History by uh, assessing what's going on with their eyes and vision, and uh, we can get mm. into that if you want. But yeah, it's the eyes are a really yeah. amazing portal into into our health, and uh, mm. to to recognize that is a is a big you know it was a big aha for me. Uh,
1: does any example come to mind when we talk about reading a being through their eyes? If not, we'll
0: move on. But- well, let's talk about, yeah, no, there are many, but let's talk about this one. Because um, I did a post recently on Instagram on astigmatism. And I got so uh-huh. much response because I related it to a twist in the body. And you're like, what? Astigmatism in the eye is related to a twist in the body? How so? Well, first of all, astigmatism means the eye is shaped Uh, more like an egg instead of being spherical. That's the the optical definition. But what I noticed was that when a person had astigmatism in the eye and I was doing craniosacral therapy on them, um, I would have them come in and I would give them an eye exam and I would measure their astigmatism in their eye. And then I would do an hour of craniosacral right after that. And then I would measure their eyes again And their astigmatism would be much less or it would be gone. And in going into more of a history, there would be things like scoliosis or one leg longer than the other or, you know, some body uh, asymmetry. And when I reduce the astigmatism in the eye, and let's say they were going to a Rolfer, the Rolfer would call me and say, hey, I don't know what you did, but there's more movement. There's more freedom of the possibility of symmetrical integration. So I could see by releasing the astigmatism in the eyes, it released something in the posture in the body. And this is why when people go for an eye exam, if they wear a really strong lens and they're trying to do body work, um, they're not going to get the same results as if they can reduce their prescription or do something to take the tension out of the eyes the body is going to then be, a, be more flexible and being able to go in the direction, say like what you're doing with Rolfing, uh, because there's a release. There's more harmony between the eyes and the body.
1: Right. Great. Wow, that was a mouthful. <laughs> that was really good. Um, I guess I want to ask you um, about several different categories of what you're noticing out in the culture at this time, and also just um, in general, some categories that reflect concerns that people have for their eyes. So um, I'm curious about this time of COVID, this time when we have suddenly been propelled, like it or not, into more screen time uh, often, more Zoom time, et cetera. And uh, you could speak about this from a very broad perspective to a very immediate perspective. What are you noticing about people and their eyes in relationship to this electronic age and the new pressures on it?
0: I'm noticing a marked and accelerated deterioration. uh, And if I'm just speaking on vision, that is so profound that um, it's overwhelming, you know, if we rewind to our ancestors before screen time, all of our viewing was mostly in the distance. And then if we go into now, our eyes are not built for this level of screen time. First of all, you know, when we are confined to any kind of a screen, um, we're in a 2d world and we're not In any kind of relaxation, we're actually going to the speed of the the digital time, which creates more compression in the eye tissue, less oxygenation, less hydration. So more dry eye, more oxidative stress, and, you know, we we can go to the first level, which is more inflammation, um, more blurred vision. And then we can go to the deeper levels where this is causing conditions like cataracts, macular degeneration, glaucoma, a sudden deterioration of unexplained um, reasons why somebody starts developing inflammation in their optic nerve, for example. And then there's the blue light issue. So any digital device is emitting... Uh, damaging blue light that's between the like the 400 and 455 nanometers. That particular range of blue light is extremely damaging because it's a very chaotic frequency. And as we uh, absorb the light through our eyes over time, that chaotic waveform is uh, damaging the eye tissue. And then after 6 p.m. it tricks the pineal gland to shut off the melatonin. So it affects our sleep cycle. And uh, you know. <laughs> it's it's getting to the point. Where there's so many. Uh, symptoms. So many problems. That uh, I think. We're going to need to really. Make a course correction. Otherwise our vision. Is going to be in such a bad state. That we may not be able. To get it back. Um, so it's. It's pretty dramatic. And with COVID, you know, everybody is on their screen time because we're not, you know, the Zoom or Zoom workshops and so on. And where we need to be is more in in nature, you know, more in the in the negative ion sphere and in movement and breathing and hydration and sunlight and those kinds of things. So, yeah, it's a it's a huge uh problem. And unfortunately, one of the disappointments I have is that in eye care, a lot of the lens prescriptions that are given to people actually are making the eyes worse. And so when you get into multiple bifocal, trifocal, you're splitting your vision into two or three parts, and then you're asking somebody to focus through a narrow window that has a very negative effect on our nervous system our endocrine system mm-hmm. our fluid body and um, you know so there's an ignorance out there in the, the the lenses that are being prescribed because it's just based on economics or something that the doctor thought you know is indoctrinated with so it's it's uh, yeah there, there's some you... issues there
1: <clears throat> yeah really <laughs> challenges very big challenges. Can you say a little bit more specifically how you see these trifocals, bifocals, uh, and specialized lenses affecting <clears throat> the nervous system, the fluid system, and I think mm-hmm. you named two more
0: systems: endocrine system, yeah, mu- endocrine. muscular, yeah, muscular skeletal. So, when think of it this way, the bigger the window you're able to look through, the more side vision or peripheral vision you can access. And the more peripheral vision you're able to access, that activates our parasympathetic nervous system. When you over focalize, so you're just, you know, tunneling into it. a Couple things happen. First of all, your vestibular system shuts down. Second of all, because the peripheral vision is, is reduced. You go into a sympathetic nervous system overdrive, almost like a hypervigilance. And this overfocal affects your orientation. It affects your memory. It affects your depth perception. Uh, So the name of the game is the bigger the window you're able to look through, the more relaxed you're going to be. So when you get into these multifocal lenses, you are eliminating that potential of periphery. Because you're being forced into looking through this very narrow optical system, which is inducing more sympathetic response, more compression, more cortisol being produced. And um, there you go. You're just down this rabbit hole at this point. Okay.
1: And from a raw first perspective, it sounds like what you're saying is if you have a more open, peripheral vision that in fact your your connective tissues will follow suit they will not be so compressed so tight and uh, and and in general become more permeable
0: yes 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 100% Um, yes and you know that's that's the key that I'm trying to convey to eye doctors that this is exactly what you're saying yes it opens up the circulation and the nutrient absorption it slows us down it gets us more in a receptive intuitive state flow state um, so absolutely so what's great is if you and i were seeing the same client and let's say this client was really nearsighted I would either have him take the lenses off when he's being treated by you and also prescribe some very reduced prescriptions so that your treatment would penetrate more deeply into his system. Because if you're wearing a lens that's based on a 2020 eye chart, at some level, you're in a defensive posture, you're in a defensive strategy, and it's not just gonna be in the eyes. But it's going to translate right. to being in the whole body. And this is the 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 bridge and the partnership that I do with osteopaths, Rolfers, craniosacral, structural integration, Alexander, Feldenkrais, I mean continuum movement teachers, they get it, you know, but the eye doctors, they're they're back in the 15th century here. And it's right. it, it's time to move forward. Cause whatever prescription you get based on the 2020, you're locking your eyes down into a position. And there's very little movement in that once you lock
1: it down. Hmm. Wow. All right. Um, what, do you have any
0: eye diseases uh, that you want to speak to very specifically? Well, I think we should speak of the, the three main ones the first is macular degeneration that is the leading cause of blindness Um, it's a condition where the macula which is the center part of the retina I mean it makes up less than 1% of the retina real estate but it's uh, important for our detail and our color vision and it seems that because there is not direct nutrient connection Uh, blood supply going to the macula it's a vulnerable place to receive oxidative stress and free radical damage there are two types there's the dry kind where the macula dries out or the wet kind where fluid builds up behind the macula either case creates a distortion in the center part of your seeing and it affects your ability to see detail. So that's a very, uh, you know, attention-grabbing situation. And there's some fabulous nutritional things, exercise things, uh, many different complementary therapies that can help reverse macular degeneration. The second condition is cataracts. And this is... Um, Actually, before
1: you move on to the second one... Yes, go ahead. So just taking this. Of your clients, your experience with people who end up manifesting <clears throat> macular degeneration. Yes. If there, you know, if you were going to write a general prescription, not that you're promising to heal them, but you know, like mm-hmm. uh, forget the details, or I don't know what uh, I don't know what it would be. The sound advice given to somebody with the situation of macular. Mm -hmm. degeneration Mm -hmm.
0: okay I'll, i'll give the prescription and of course it can change based on the person's you know history and so on number one it's very important to make sure you're getting something called carotenoids in your diet these would be the vegetables that are the red orange yellow and green pigmented vegetables People know them as lutein and zeaxanthin. These are very important pigments that protect the macula. And if you're gonna do a vitamin, you would do something like 16 milligrams of lutein and four to six milligrams of zeaxanthin daily. You would add a third carotenoid called astaxanthin, which is a marine carotenoid. So you can get that either from pink seafood or microalgae, again, if you're gonna do a supplement. You're looking at 6 to 12 milligrams a day of astaxanthin. Um, in addition, you would want to make sure you're eating, you know, um, a high percentage of plant-based foods, making sure you're getting um, enough um, probiotics so you're reducing inflammation in the body. Because any gut inflammation is going to affect the eyes, you know, that's that goes hand in hand. Um, I I would also wear the blue blue light uh, blocking filters if you're on any digital devices because uh, blue light definitely um, affects the macula. And then, you know, you could consider some ancillary treatments like acupuncture. Acupuncture works really well for macular problems. You know, in Chinese medicine, the liver meridian, the organ of the liver, They're meridians that actually go right to the eye. So uh, working with a Chinese medicine doctor can sometimes bring more energy to the macula. So those would be just some basic broad brush things that if you did those, uh, you would have a really good chance of, at the very least, neutralizing the deterioration and at the most, reversing uh, the condition.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. Um, all right. So then you were going to talk about cataract and if you're
0: feeling too pinched in this, um, just you, you take the lead. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm good. So with cataracts, um, you know, most people as they age, the lens of the eye starts to accumulate metabolic waste. That's kind of a normal aging change that occurs. And, um, The standard approach is when it gets bad enough, the surgeon just takes the lens out and puts in a plastic lens and you're good to go. And it's a very high percentage um, surgery. But there are things that you can do in early stage cataracts to either slow down or sometimes even reverse. And there are a couple essential ingredients that are important for lens health. The first is an antioxidant called glutathione. In fact, it's one of the master antioxidants in the body. There has been some research that shows that people that are uh, having low levels of glutathione have a higher risk of developing uh, cataracts. The second ingredient that's supportive for lens health is vitamin C. There was a study done in the UK uh, that showed that people that Uh, ingested 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C had a 33% lower risk of developing cataracts. The third risk factor in cataracts is your glucose levels. Uh, So if you uh, eat sugar or you have trouble metabolizing carbohydrates and sugars, if you're pre-diabetic, you have a higher risk of developing cataracts. Now, what's really interesting is there's some eye drops on the market that can improve lens health. These are natural eye drops. One, it actually has glutathione and vitamin C in it. Um, So you could you could use that eye drop. And then there's some nutritional things that you could do. Again, plant based, uh, low glycemic index foods, um, you know, low processed foods, anti-inflammatory. These would be some basic broad brushes that you could do uh, to reduce cataracts. I've had hundreds of patients reduce cataracts just by changing their diet, doing some detoxification process and improving their uh, reducing their stress levels. So that's the that's the deal on cataracts. Right. And then you had one more. One more, yeah. So this third one is a really interesting disease. It's a vascular disease called glaucoma. And this is called the silent thief because you don't know that you have this vascular disease and it begins to Mm. uh, reduce the peripheral vision, the visual fields, because it starts to damage the optic nerve. So it's a vascular disease. Either the eye is not producing enough fluid or the fluid that's in the eye is not circulating properly. So this is a a red flag that number one, um, lymphatic health, uh, connective tissue health. um, You know, this is up your alley. If you start improving your fluid uh, health, This can actually do things like bring your eye pressure down. There have been studies that show that if you you bounce on a rebounder 10 minutes a day, it can bring your eye pressure down. So um, with glaucoma, uh, this is very much related to stress, trauma, could be head trauma, uh, toxicity. So heavy metal toxicities can mask as glaucoma and affect uh, the optic nerve health. And uh, again, this lymphatic piece is really critical. Uh, So there are things that you can do to neutralize the glaucoma pattern and in some cases even reverse it. Uh, And again, the standard approach is pharmaceutical eye drops and eventually surgery. So this this is a condition where a lot of the complementary therapies I promote Uh, work very, very well at reducing uh, optic nerve damage and um, bringing the eye pressures back to normal.
1: Okay, great. Um, I was going to move to another question. Is that all right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay. So
1: this one, you have to again, bring the broad broad vision back, the peripheral vision back, and it's a bit of a um, stretch, perhaps. But we have been well-educated in the Rolf Institute to understand that how we perceive, how we put our world together proprioceptively affects our uh, structural patterns and our functional habits. And uh, there is an assumption here that when somebody is learning from their rolfing process that they start to broaden their sense of how they are perceiving their sense of themselves and sense of the world through their senses and so we take it from that perspective and send them out in the world with we hope new perceptual patterns now if you reverse this and think about perceptual patterns as you know them from studying eyes what can you say about uh, the habits in the visual world and the kinosphere and how that—how do you find that affecting people, either structurally or functionally?
0: Yes, well, I think we are uh, very much in alignment here. Um, and what I would say is is that uh, if I speak from the eye point of view, the way we use our eyes functionally changes the structure of the eyes. And that echoes into changing the structure of the body, the posture of the body, the movement of the body. And so what I have observed is that when I can help people discover their habits, conditioning, belief systems, uh, perceptually through their vision by giving them different challenges. So I challenge their vision a lot to move out of the status quo. They start to understand how their functional habits have created the structural defect. And once they realize that and they're able to step into the new uh, discovery, then this starts to impact their orientation, their processing, their movement, their balance, their decision making so we're probably doing similar things, but I'm working from the eyes into the body and you're working from the body into the, the perception of the eyes. And um, precisely, there's no question that I, when we start using our eyes in a certain way, that eventually, if it's the same pattern over and over again, It's going to create some deterioration and disease. And my job is to help people discover to interrupt that pattern. And again, there's a lot of different techniques I've developed visually that create obstacles for people. And of course, we do this in a therapeutic setting. One of my favorites is that I give people either the opposite prescription they normally wear, which really throws them for a loop. Or I give them a prismatic prescription that completely changes their orientation, their visual midline, their relationship of the vision, vestibular, and proprioception uh, states. And in doing that, they then have to find a new way of processing. And I keep interrupting that. Sometimes I, I put people into a lot of blur. And blur is one of those experiences that people usually don't like because they're out of control. Um, it, they're going to get injured. They, there's some association they made with blur. And so what they do is mentally, whatever it takes, they're going to avoid the blur. And they do that through the eyeball to the point where the eye gives up. Because of the intense mental, um, you know, fear of being out of control. And yet when they do that, the tension in the eyes releases so profoundly that their eyesight comes back to normal. And I don't know if uh, Emily said this or some of the folks in Continuum, but 60 to 80% of body tension may be carried in the eyes. I don't know if it's that high, but if you think about how much tension people carry, and they, it, the eyes are one of those unrealized dead zones. Uh, when I do an eye exam and I ask people to read the chart and then I give them a relaxation lens and I say, how do your eyes feel? They have no idea. And these are people that are in somatic practices these are the people that should be in touch a lot of them say i have no idea what i feel in my eyes so part of it is the desensitization that we all go through and once you connect on a somatic level with your eyes then the the function changing strike i mean it's it's this sweet we're probably talking the same thing you could tell me the same thing in rolfing um it's just the eyes are one of these sensory systems that most. When we go for an eye exam, we don't talk about that. We just go for a quick exam and that's it, and that's what you get for the next two years. So that that's kind of it doesn't make sense to me. But right. So does that does that uh, does that resonate? Is that what you're looking yeah. for? Very
1: okay. interesting. I, I'm wondering if there's any um, choice anecdote. About a change that happened globally in a certain way through somebody's life for changing how
0: they. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, I have a
1: their habitual
0: patterns. I have a I have a great case. Three months ago, lady was referred to me by an osteopath. She's an actress, and um, the eye doctor she went to prescribed one lens for distance so she could see in the distance and prescribed a second lens for near so she could read without reading glasses. Well, what ended up happening is is that it created such disorientation and blurred vision, she ended up in an osteopath's office doing some cranial work. And he he recommended that she come and see me. And so what happened was the doctor corrected the right eye for distance and the left eye for near, But she was trying to use her near eye for distance and use her distance eye for near. So there was this huge conflict mentally and somatically. It was reversed to the lenses that she was using. And on top of that, it was splitting her eyes. So I, I got her in some re- reverse, uh, reduced reverse prescription exercises. And initially she couldn't handle the blur. She got very dizzy and disoriented. And I said, okay, go into the disorientation. Don't fight it. And after every session, she would say, my eyes feel so much more relaxed and I see more clearly. So we fast forward three months. She actually came in today and she said to me that. I feel great I'm integrated I would never go back to that mono vision my osteopath is confirming based on what he is feeling and it was a nightmare I was I thought I was losing my mind so there was an example of somebody who had given been given lenses that split them and um, there was no recourse unfortunately she had an osteopath who knew me and we worked together so she got her vision back and now she's integrated, now she's collaborating, and her creativity is taking off, her focus is taking off, her teaching is taking off. So, you know, that's one success story of many, where that illustrates uh, the point you're, you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful story. Um, what about the people that have that vision change uh, put in through a surgery, through a Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, So the the surgery you're talking about is LASIK surgery. So think of it this way. We want to blame faulty vision on the eyeball, but it's not the eyeball's fault. It's the programming behind the eyes that causes the eyes to change. So when you get the surgery, it's changing the superficial external uh, prescription in the eye. So now you've got the programming and then you've got the change in the eye. So it creates a mismatch. So, of course, the programming is a lot stronger than the surgical procedure. And this is why, over time, the eyes revert back to where they were because the programming wins out over the LASIK procedure. And uh, it's pretty devastating when people uh, recognize that their programming is what's caused their eyes. And that's what needs to change, not some external surgery.
1: Very interesting. Well, um, I'm going to open this up to you, Sam, to see what you would still like to say. I don't have more questions for now. But...
0: Okay. Well, I, I think I would um, I would say three things. Um, I would leave the listeners with three things. The first, and we, we touched upon this, is that... Uh, Function, how we function with our eyes, changes the structure of our eyes. And so that if we can do some kind of physical therapy through our vision and become aware of the function, we can change the structure. Um, There's no statute of limitations of age or genetics That uh, interfere with this ability to heal, you know, one of my sayings is, we don't have to live out our genetic destiny, because our grandparents or great grandparents had a certain condition doesn't mean we Mm -hmm. we are going to. Uh, The second point I would make is that if a person uh, goes somewhere and they start to feel bullied into a certain procedure or a certain method of treatment, uh, they should pause and they should seek out a more holistic perspective. Uh, um, At least to get a perspective that's different than, um, you know, especially if they're feeling, you know, pushed into it. Um, they can, they can certainly. Uh, on my website, www.drsambern.com, I have uh, so much free info. In fact, all my information is free. Um, I've done hundreds of video blogs on different conditions and also different eye exercise protocols. Ninety day, it's a three month program. It's all there. It's free, so you could look that up. So you could begin to, to, to examine what are some other alternatives besides just doing drugs and surgery. And then the third point that I would make is that, um, you can change your eyes and vision at any age, even as you get older. And, um, you know, you could probably speak to this too, through your healing work, that age is a number and that there are some really amazing things that you can do to at least uh give people the tools to become better at self-regulating and um you know uh, this is this is how i bring continuum into the vision work teaching them some very short dive or sound bath and having them touch their eyes with their eyes closed is amazing healing for them when they put sound and touch in and around their eye tissue it immediately enlivens them and gives them access to something much deeper and it gives them the permission to do that so um mm-hmm. so those are those would be the main points um this is uh this is a field that uh you know i'm kind of, i feel like i'm a pioneer Kind of out ahead of the curve, and so yeah.
1: um,
0: it's it's just. Uh,
1: are you reproducing
0: yourself? Not. Are you finding a way to yourself yet? Not yet, but I'm sure that will come. Uh, right now, it's more about just connecting with people, and uh, you know I think because of COVID, the uh, the social media and the internet are really great ways to connect with people, and uh, there are a lot of channels to do that. And for those that are interested, they will they will find the ways. But it's also why I like to talk to I love talking to people like you, because you're already there, you're, you're just doing it from a different place, but we're doing similar things. And uh, so those are the kind of folks I'm seeking out. And that's how it'll disseminate uh, into the mainstream. And, you know, uh, it's changing, it's happening. There's a there's a movement Going on, so those are those are the kind of the the big points, and uh, uh, I'm excited about the future and and uh, what what's going on, how it's how people are responding.
1: And you can work remotely with people, is that
0: so. Yeah, very much so. Yes, uh, so working remotely um, is very simple, and uh, you know sometimes what I'll have people do is send me their eye records. So I can review those and get a, you know, baseline on where we start. But then from that that place, uh, yes, we can do wonders from uh, from a distance. So yeah, for sure, because travel right now is a bit challenging. We need to, you know, honor the the COVID virus and what we need to do to to protect ourselves.
1: Yes. Are we done?
0: <laughs> I think so. Yes. Uh, you know, I want to thank you for, uh, for inviting me. Uh, I love rolfing. Um, One of my favorite people is uh, Jan Soltan, who uh, you probably know and uh, here in Santa Fe, uh, we have lots of rolfers and New Mexico is a great place. Uh, So I'm a firm believer in it. I've had gone through that process. And uh, gave me my body back with all the injuries I had and my own healing and things. So uh, I love the work. I love how you've integrated it. I watched one of your uh, Vimeo videos on the Rolf Institute and how you eloquently shared Ida Rolf's story and her vision and how you met her. and so it's remarkable you know the people you've met over the years. and Emily, of course,